You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Hi, my name is Stephen Long, and I host a show here on Rock Candy called Sacred Tension. It's about the spiritual discipline of asking questions. If you find yourself uncomfortable in your faith, or if you find yourself caught between modern science and ancient religion, or if you're curious about the journeys of others who are sorting out faith and doubt, Sacred Tension is a place where nothing is off limits. You will find conversations with pastors, cult experts, spiritual leaders, and skeptics, all discussing the ways we navigate the faiths we were given. Find Sacred Tension right here on Rock Candy and wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Brown Sugar Diaries with Erica Michelle, the chronicles and misadventures of a plus-sized brown girl navigating life, love, and healing. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Brown Sugar Diaries, on Twitter at BRWN Sugar Diaries, and on Facebook, Brown Sugar Diaries Podcast, on YouTube, Brown Sugar Diaries Podcast. You can send me an email, Brown Sugar Diaries Podcast at gmail.com, and visit the website, Brown Sugar Diaries.com. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Brown Sugar Diaries. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. If you are a returning listener, hey, sugar. I hope all of you are washing your hands, wearing your mask, taking your vitamins, eating well, practicing social distancing, drinking your water, moisturizing, and minding your damn business. I hope everybody had a great week last week, and I hope you're having an uneventful week this week, and I hope your weekend is as amazing as you are. Now, let's get into this weekly tea, sugar. So, I haven't really been watching uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta much this season, if at all. I can't even say much. I haven't really been watching it at all. But I tuned in on Sunday um, to catch uh, last week's episode and this week's episode. And, honey, it was a whole lot. But I will say that what kind of got me was that Candy was on this whole dungeon, um, I don't even know, like, this whole dungeon, like, uh, a dominatrix whole thing, and I kind of liked it, not kind of, I really liked it, but then it kind of, as I watched the, the, the scenes unfold, and as I watched the show some more, I kind of realized that, I'm the candy of my friend group. <laughs> I think I'm the one who would like have my homegirls, you know, in lingerie, have masks on and a whip and some chains and a man, you know, waving his dick around <laughs> in our faces. And I don't feel bad about it. I don't at all. But the thing that irritated me the most was sorry spoiler alert was that Kenya was trying to figure out who was fucking the uh the stripper the male stripper my thing is this why do you care if it was not your vagina that was being pounded 
why do you care, sis? I'm like, can you need to sign an NDA? Because she's doing the absolute most right now. Like, it doesn't matter who was having sex with this man. It's their body. It's his body. It was there. You know, it was consensual. It was whatever. Their decision. Mind your business, Kenya. Mind your damn business. How about that? So, Kirk Franklin did a tiny desk. And, y'all, it was lit. It's Okay, so, while I, while I am not a fan of not being able to go to concerts and go to the movies and go to the things and do the things that we used to do pre-pandemic, I think Tiny Desk has really just been, I, I don't know. I can't say it's Tiny Desk. I think it's just, it speaks to... Um, the comfort of the artists in their home and to be able to like groove how they groove. I personally am a fan of live recordings more so than I am like albums. Um, I can hear a song, I can hear an album, but I always love the live versions because you get so much more from the artists, from the band. Like, I love live bands. Like, for if my future husband is listening to this, please understand that the way to my heart and the way to my draws is to take me to open mics or somewhere I can see a live band, particularly if Anita Baker does another um, farewell tour or whatever. It, listen, you got me if you take me to go see Anita Baker. Like, and let me fangirl and let me sing my heart out. Like, Anita Baker is probably the only person I will fangirl over ever. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think Tiny Desk, I get the concept. But even with the time, like, I like Tiny Desk in general because you get live music. You get, you know, you're getting live instrumentation. You're getting live vocals. You're getting sometimes, like, the thought that provokes and the meaning behind the said song. But I don't know. I I can't really describe what it is I'm feeling right now. But I, Kirk Franklin cut up on this tiny desk not even gonna hold you not even gonna lie to you Kirk Franklin did his thing with his little tiny self and I can appreciate it like like six seven year old me singing uh melodies from heaven in the children's choir <laughs> or, or however old I was when that song came on like I I think of like that old gospel 90s feel just came back and it was a groove like whoever that was playing the bass I I couldn't even see his face but he fine just because he could play the bass very well that's it (laughs) that's all I have he can play the bass bass very well and oh a bass player just does something to me like I can't even describe it oh jeez y'all go watch it if you haven't please go watch it So, I really want to understand why people hate Russell Wilson so much. So, I recently saw a video that I think Sierra posted. Maybe he posted. I don't know. But, um, he's sick of the baby breastfeeding. He wants his wife's nipples back in his mouth. 
And as a person who enjoys nipple stimulation, I will probably agree with my spouse um, whenever it's my time to breastfeed my child. <laughs> Is that sad? Probably. But I don't care. Um, so there's always been like this grand hate or disdain for Russell Wilson because people feel like his support and and overt um displays of affection for little future are inappropriate because you know it's not like his dad is dead it's not like future doesn't exist or he's you know whatever but they feel like he's disrespectful because you know he openly and overtly shares and shows his love for this child i guess i i guess the the part that i'm confused about is like if she were a bitter baby mama then you know y'all would have something to say about that but she's moved on found somebody to love her and her child um wholly purely and like there's no doubt that 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 God is the center of their marriage. So I guess I don't understand the the disdain for for Russell. I mean, I don't really find him that attractive. He's nice looking, but I can't say that I would be attracted to him. I don't know. And he probably wouldn't be attracted to me. So fine, but I think his heart is what truly makes him attractive, to be quite honest. Um, I just don't understand the hate for him. I don't understand that. It's not like he ever does or says anything disrespectful. It's just that I think what Russell does is bruises the ego of men across America. (laughs) Um, Men who ain't shit and ain't doing shit in their children's lives. I think he just he it's a nerve i think he strikes a nerve um he tap dances on a nerve for them because it his natural love and affection for a child that he did not help create um but has grown to love and appreciate you know having in his own life i think it just makes men who probably, like I said, aren't in their children's lives, aren't doing anything. It makes them feel like, damn, I should be doing something. It's probably somebody else doing it or whatever. But I think I think there's a sense of complacency with men. Once they decide that they're not going to be in their child's life, it's more comfortable to stay out of that child's life than figure out a way to put their ego and their pride aside and build a relationship because you feel like, oh, a child isn't going to want you to come back into their life after you've been away for so long, but you don't know until you try. But the fact still remains, I don't really understand what the issue with Russell is um, truly. And I've not heard any men talk about it. I would love to know. I would love to hear from some men um, who either dislike or don't have a problem with or could shed some insight into why men don't like Russell.
But anyway, let's get into this episode after this ad, darling. <laughs> Alright, so we back. This week is going to be quick, per usual. I'm trying to get y'all used to this format of me not taking all dang day to say what I need to say. I'm trying to be as succinct and to the point as possible. But for the past week and a half, two weeks perhaps... I've been getting phone calls for advice from friends. Um, really people that's like a close acquaintance, I guess. And then they just were like, you know, I know we haven't talked in a while. But I really wanted your advice about something. I'm like, child, listen. <laughs> but anyway, um, I've, I've had so many conversations and... Well, conversations of encouragement when it comes to um, self-love, self-awareness... Um, selfishness, <laughs> um, and self-worth. And it's all essentially surrounding or the root of the issue of, or lack of those things is relationships, like romantic relationships. And... I guess the part of me that that is like deeply concerned and felt the need to create an episode about this was that I'm so good at telling other people like you're great, you're dope, you're beautiful, you're <laughs> you're amazing, but then when people tell me the same thing, I have a hard time believing it. And not because I don't think that I am those things, it's just, I have this thing about not wanting too much attention. But then again, or or just not wanting a whole lot of accolades and praise. But then my love, one of my love languages is words of affirmation. I really don't understand. I don't understand myself. <laughs> I don't get myself. Um, But I, I think the things that have been swirling around in my head is just like, why, one on on their part for them like why do we keep jumping back into situations where it's been proven time and time again that they meet they don't mean as well they don't have our best interest at heart and this is going to end terribly the result this time isn't going to be different the result is literally going to be the same and and I think I guess I just don't understand the human nature behind it. I just don't understand the human response to that. Like, you know, time and time again, that this person, this this being is toxic for you. You know that quite well. And in previous times, they've, you just fallen back, you know, into their arms, into their space, into their whatever and they keep stabbing you. They keep stabbing you with this knife. But then eventually, they don't have to exert too much energy because they know that you're going to come back. And all they have to do is leave this knife in one spot, like tucked tightly. Like they they, they woo you back into their hearts or into your hearts, however that, that goes. Um, they They woo their way back into your heart. That's what I meant to say. Um, but the knife is tucked really tightly 
with the handle under their armpit and they know they know as soon as they as soon as they say one thing as soon as they do one thing they know that they have you and then when it gets inconvenient for them or it gets to be too much for them it's like there's a knife again but you they don't even have to take it from under the arm they don't even have to exert too much energy you just fall back onto the knife i guess the part that really disturbs me is like why is this so comfortable for us why is this so normal for us why is this okay <laughs> us meaning you know just humans in general and and then it doesn't necessarily have to be romantic romantic relationships it can be platonic relationships it can be you know your friends who keep roping you into shit that you don't want to do anymore or that you know is no good for you i don't understand why we do that it makes absolutely no sense to me but i think one of the things that just kind of swirls around my head is like what i've done this to myself um, I've done this myself. Like I dated this guy for like six years. Not like six years, it was six years. <laughs> dated this guy for six years. And he was terrible, y'all. Like this dude, he came to my college campus. This is when I was at at Dillard. Um, came to my school for a weekend. We were in two different places, so it was a long distance relationship. And brought another chick with him like flew down with another chick and introduced this chick as introduced me to her as his friend yeah i let that slide i did but okay no i didn't (laughs) and in his face and that weekend i let it slide but after he got his behind on that plane, I was not letting it slide. <laughs> I was, oh, I was hell. <laughs> and and I haven't, I haven't always been, I was never that way. It was almost as though he activated something in me. Um, like, y'all, I was so, whew, I was awful. Like... He would come down ever so often and I would be leaving the dude house <laughs> to go pick him up from the airport. Didn't bother leaving in enough time to go wash another dude cologne off. Not that we was having sex because I was not sexually active, but just being like, you know, back in the day, boo, child, back in the day, back in the day. Um, <laughs> now, mind you, back in the day for me, it was like I was in college like, oh, nah. Um, so that's how far back in the day this is. But back in the day, like, it wasn't about having sex with the dude. It was just being laid up with a dude. Like, being up under him, cuddling, snuggling, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't that. Like, I wasn't having sex with anybody. So I would leave a dude's house, go pick him up from the airport, be with him all weekend, unattentive, um, in my phone, texting, somebody else <laughs> and yeah we're dropping off at the airport and head back to do house <laughs> like i was just i was turning into somebody 
honestly unrecognizable. And he still had, unless he listened to this podcast, he still has no idea that I was doing it. He has absolutely, and honestly, if he listens to the podcast, I'm quite okay with that. And over time, like the stories will unfold. But like I was, I was just doing my own thing. I was just out here, you know, living life. And in my mind, getting back at him for do, for doing to me um, something vile, something real foul. Um, but I just don't understand, like, and that wasn't the only thing. He did several things <laughs> that I should have, that should have made me break up with him. But our foundation was friendship. And when it was all said and done, he would best friend his way back into my heart. And in hindsight, it's like, girl, you was stupid. <laughs> or maybe not stupid. I don't really think I was stupid. I just think I was young and, and dumb. And I don't even know. I don't know. I'm trying to put together the pieces of myself um, that I feel like he had a hand in breaking, though since breaking up with him, um, he is not the only person who has had a, a, a hand in breaking my heart. So I think when it comes to, you know, self-love, self-worth, self-awareness, selfishness, I think for, for me, it's having never heard my love language, words of affirmation, romantically. So I used to think that words of affirmation for me was, oh, you're beautiful, you're smart. You was smart, you was kind, you was important. <laughs> I used to think that that was like, I was like, I don't need that. I heard that my whole life. I've heard from my parents. I've heard from my brothers. You're smart, you're beautiful, you're intelligent, you're amazing, you're going to be great, yada, yada, yada. I've heard that all the time. So I used to think that I don't need to hear, those aren't things that I need to hear, but I wasn't quite sure what I, what I needed affirmed if that makes sense. But then working through therapy and healing and shit <laughs> has me like, you know, that is, that's what I need to hear. But from a romantic partner, I, I'm that kind of person that I've always had this fear of being in relationships that at some point you lose attraction to the person that you're with, even when you're dating. And that's cool. You're absolutely allowed to do that. But it's something about affirming that you're still attracted. That I still do it for you. That you love me. I don't mind hearing I love you like a hundred times a day. <laughs> I don't have a problem hearing that. Um, Like tell me what I mean to you. Tell me, like, t if if you see me dropping some pounds, losing some inches, nigga, say something. Like, <laughs> like just say it. Like, t let me know that I'm it for you. And I think it's 
it has nothing to do with feeling like I'm inadequate um, in my home life as a child, like growing up, but always feeling like I'm inadequate in relationships because I'm really chill. Like I'm, I'm super chill in relationships and I've never been in a relationship with a guy who could handle my chill. And by that, I mean, it was like, you just, like, even in high school, when I dated dudes, I never dated dudes. I went to high school with, let me start there. <laughs> so, if any of y'all listening from high school, I never dated anybody with the gym Hill, <laughs> ever. <laughs> uh, but I talked to a whole lot of dudes that y'all wouldn't even think about. But anyway, um, but they were never, they would tell me that I was lame because, like, I'm not a, I'm not a go out and be out like I, I being out is not my thing but when I'm out I'm out like I don't have a a desire to be out every weekend but when I want to go out when I have those moments I'm like you know I'm gonna go out I'm gonna get cute I'm gonna go out I want and I'm out <laughs> like I'm I'm out and I'm watching the sun come up that's how I that's how I go out so because I was never that girl to sneak out of the house and just be the quote-unquote bad girl I was always like lame and it wasn't like I was you know a church girl um I guess I don't know was raised in a church but wasn't there every day how about that (laughs) um I just I wasn't that kid and I think that's just because my I was the only kid in the house was my brothers were gone um, so I was, I mean, and my parents are really chill. So chilling is just my thing. You know, I've, I've, that's just been me my whole life. Um, so I wasn't that bad girl. I wasn't that push the limit girl. I didn't have to push a limit because I was the only child in the house. Um, except my brothers were adults <laughs> from the time I think I had my brothers in the house until I was like five or six after then you know they were grown <laughs> they was out the house <laughs> so I was the only one in the nest so I didn't have to be bad I didn't have to be I had I didn't have to sneak I didn't have to do anything all I had to do was ask and I didn't ask because I didn't want to do it <laughs> I was that person so tying this all into like knowing our self-worth like I think I've realized after talking through it that my issue is just that I've never felt adequate enough in romantic relationships and sometimes even in friendships um and I don't think that it stems from anything from home I think it's just those relationships that I never felt like I was good enough or enough um, to just be enough. I never felt like I was enough to be enough. <laughs> if that makes sense to you. Um, I hope it does so. Cause it makes sense in my head, but it, I don't know. Um, but yeah. And I really want people to know that selfish is not a dirty word. Selfishness is not anything you should be ashamed of or or that you should run from 
it doesn't necessarily mean sometimes selfishness means minding your own business <laughs> sometimes selfishness means um knowing that it's okay to distance yourself from people who aren't serving the person that you're becoming or the person that you are now to distance yourself from people who were only convenient or meant to be or meant to know the person that you were. And it's a tough lesson to learn. And I hate that sometimes we have to fall on the knife and be hurt and wounded so many times to get to that point where we put ourselves the first, where we put ourselves first, where we love ourselves first, where we're aware of ourselves and our actions, especially when we're when we're repeating things, when we are repeating actions that are harmful and toxic for us. I just hope we get our shit together, y'all. Like I hope that we learn to truly and wholly and purely and genuinely um, love ourselves in a way that we don't feel like we need to be wounded to feel adequate. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's what it is. I think that's the whole of it. Yeah. We don't need to be wounded to feel adequate. That was a little bit. I'm going to let that sit a minute. (laughs) But anyway, let's get into this spoonful of sugar, child. The spoonful of sugar segment is inspired by the Mary Poppins phrase, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. In this segment, I give an inspirational quote or piece of encouragement because sometimes we just need a little pick-me-up or in this case, a spoonful of sugar to make a tough, unpleasant situation or hard pill to swallow just a little bit sweeter. first it's okay to be selfish it's okay to protect your peace protect your energy to cut people off to separate yourself distance yourself from people who no longer serve the person you are and the person that you're becoming it's okay to sever ties it's okay to burn the bridge and i think we have such a negative connotation for burning bridges it doesn't necessarily mean that anything happened it doesn't necessarily mean that that anything is wrong, that there's any beef, there's any issue. It just means that where I'm going, where I'm supposed to be, the path that I'm about to take, you can't go on. And if I don't burn this bridge, if I don't sever these ties, if I don't cut this rope, you're going to hold me back. And so I need to, I need to, to, to let you go. I need to leave you right here. And if I'm supposed to pick you up later, then I will. But I can meet you where you are. And we might be in the same space at that moment. We might be able to compare compare trauma at that moment. But once I heal and once I begin healing and I start to see things clearly and I start to, to live, look at life differently and I experience the paradigm shift, I can't take you with me. I can't keep holding on to you and I can't keep letting you hold on to me. I have to let you go. 
So please, please, please don't be afraid to take the scissors, take the knife, take the whatever, and sever the ties, cut the rope, and burn the bridges. Set that bitch on fire. But also, when you burn the bridges, make sure you know how to swim. All right? I'll holler at y'all later. Y'all be safe and play nice here. shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com. One more thing, sugar. Don't forget to rate, review, like, share, and subscribe to the podcast on all your podcasting platforms.